0: Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Sophisticated Property Investing podcast, coming to you from headquarters here in Derbyshire, England, and from across the RSC, Mr. Matthew Jackson. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Frank. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. Now, those of you who are regular listeners might recognize the Northern Ireland accent and also the surname, and that is because Matthew is the proud son of MFA for Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland, Ian Jackson. So, Matthew, great to have you on. I know you've been taking a increasingly active role in the MFA role, the country owner role for EPP, but also in the property investing business that you have with your dad. So how about we kick off with some of your achievements over the last 12 months or so, mate? What uh, Give the listeners a flavor for what kind of business you're doing at the moment over there. Yeah, there's
1: about six or so we've done in the past. I would say maybe five. I'll put five, a conservative five on it um, in the past 12 months um, that we ha- have either purchased or purchasing and flipping on or done things like TDIC with them. Those are sort of five deals that we have going at the minute. We also still have a cohort of our own franchisees whom we are helping with their property businesses as well. So giving them training, giving them advice, them giving us help in, in whatever way they might be able to as well. Um, and it's a really great environment to be in, uh, be in and it's just a really supportive one to be in as well. Yeah, that's sort of a, a bit of a flavor, I guess, as to what we have been doing over the past 12
0: months over here. And of those five deals, what's it meant for you in terms of cash? So only approximate numbers, but how much equity have you secured? How much cash have you made? Have you flipped some? And what's your ongoing cash flow from those deals that you've kept? Uh, I guess for starters, how many have you sold on and how many have you kept out of the five or six? We've only kept one out of that one. And then the rest of them, we have either bought them and flipping them on eventually. When was the first time we met? I can remember it very clearly. It was over breakfast in that lovely little hotel I stay at when I'm over in Belfast. It was with your dad. We had a seminar that day. You were doing the videography, I seem to remember. Um, How long ago was that if you had to put a time on it? To this point, that'll probably be about four years ago, three years ago. So three, four years ago, Matthew is 23, right? So he was 19, 20 at that point. And I met Ian Jackson's entire family that day. He had two of his daughters there helping around with, you know, managing the venue, signing people in, reception, et cetera. And then we had um, Matthew who was doing the videography. And I remember saying to Ian, you know, you've got an amazingly supportive family here. Are they actually going to be involved in the business or or are they not? And I remember him saying, I think maybe my son would be. So that was from and I would say, and I don't know what you'd say, Matthew, but I'd say that was a very stark awakening to the world of sales and the world of business like coming in as a part of the sales team <laughs> cold to a highly choreographed seminar where we know what the agenda is we know what we want the delegates to get out of the day we we know when this is happening we know when the manuals are going out etc so real like rabbit in headlights situation <laughs> for you to, yeah, does that definitely. sum it up? Is that what it was like? <laughs> yeah,
1: I would say so. It's one of those things about at that stage I was in university and for my sins, learning to be a primary school teacher. Although we, we were not really sure whether that, uh, that that was achieved or not, but that was the attempt anyway. Um, and so it's a different <laughs> environment coming from one setting uh, which is the education setting to a business setting is, is correct it's a very different challenge uh, not to say one's better than the other just a very
0: different one absolutely i didn't realize you were still at university then that's amazing so um you were definitely the first teenager we've had on the partnership I know <laughs> that for sure but also to see your success over the last let's just call it three and a half years for splitting the difference so for three and a half years to see your development your personal development and your success over that time is absolutely amazing. Thank you. To the extent, and it is, and it's credit to you. Um, of course, you've been in a positive environment. Of course, you've had all the access to the resources on EPP, etc. But you've engaged. You've absorbed. You've taken action. You've made mistakes. You've done deals. You know that is a hundred percent down to you. I had the MFA retreat last week so that's where all the MFAs come together and we spend two full days together but most of them come over the night before I think your dad comes over the night before I was singing your praises Matthew because (laughs) you now are are at the the level where you're a, a highly competent partner in doing your own deals but also a highly competent MFA supporting your partners in um, Northern Ireland so, um, and I want to delve into that journey because we've had some younger people come on as partners all older than you. I think we had one guy who was 26 and I think we've had another one who was 30 or so they tend to be older they tend to be older than me actually yeah. most most <laughs> of are older than me although as time goes by there, there's a few that are younger <laughs> um, but uh, it's probably more about me than them yeah none of the younger guys and I don't think it's anything about age but none of them have done as well as you have for sure, but then none of them have applied themselves to the extent you have either, and that's interesting to me.
1: This is just cumulative. Uh, we've either secured or or brought in cash uh, about 180 grand in that year or so across those deals. And was it
0: five or was it six? So it was one, two, three, four, five, five. So 180 grand over five deals. So that's over 30 grand a deal, which is amazing and solid six figures which is amazing over 12 months. And, you know, if you, if you think if you're a primary school teacher now, what would you be earning? 25, 30 grand? <laughs> I don't know what they earn these days. But yeah. When I left teaching, I was on 26 and a bit. I remember that. So, uh, yeah. You were rolling in it. A- uh, yeah well i thought i was at the time that's the irony isn't it it's amazing what you get accustomed to and comfortable with and then uh, when you're surrounded by teachers you're like oh if i can't wait till i'm head of department and then i'll get mm-hmm. two pay points more you know <laughs> two pay points is like 1500 quid each so it's like yeah i'll have three grand a year more and it's like okay that's 250 quid a month before taxes <laughs> so then it's like 150 quid a month and you know, i can't believe i was like excited about that like in three years I'll be uh, I'll be earning 150 quid a month more. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? And now you think mm-hmm. you can do a deal in a few days that earns you more than that uh, forever and yeah. without requiring work forever. You know it is remarkable. Yeah. So just um, on that you were presumably in your third year, second or third year of university at that point and graduated. So are you a qualified teacher? I am a qualified, well, as in I haven't done my NQT, the
1: newly qualified teachers. Uh, so I, I, I literally just have a, have a B. ed, I guess, if you want to put a label on it. That the, the process is you have to do this thing called the NQT, and newly qualified teacher certificate. I remember. And it's once you year. do that, yeah. yeah, it's like your first year in being a teacher. Once you get that, then you are pretty much a fully qualified teacher. So I don't know what you would call me. Maybe a half qualified, <laughs> fully, fully qualified teacher, or yeah, maybe just... some some would say maybe two two quarters
0: or not two <laughs> a quarter of a way there or something like that. But. Yeah. Two quarters, uh, that'd be funny. So yeah, I get it. So you could go and work in a in a school as a teacher for a year, but you wouldn't get your certificate until the end of the year. Yeah, of course, of course. So, so that tells a story though, doesn't it? Because you had a very clear path mapped out for yourself. You've done GCSEs, you've done A levels, you've gone to university, you've got mm-hmm. a degree. You have got employment waiting for you. You know, you pretty much walk into most schools, can't you? As a, as a, it is, it is slightly different over here um, than
1: than what it would be in England. We actually have a surplus of uh, of students that are coming out to fill the the positions Brilliant. over here. So, so wow. many of them will go over to to England and Scotland and Wales. Um, because it's a, it's a completely different story over there of course
0: Oh, that's so interesting cool I didn't know that every day's a school day so mm-hmm. I guess um you could have found a role uh, I guess then rather than have them uh, beaten a path to your door that would have been 25 grand or whatever it would have been in your first year 20 grand yes and a career set out a comfortable career path set out mm-hmm. for you um you knew you wanted to get married and have a family and congratulations you're now married etc so the point I'm trying to make is you could have had a very comfortable life, very safe life, a life that many people would admire or aspire to. And yet (laughs) you've put all of that in jeopardy you've not done your nqt yet i always think to myself if worse came to worse i can always go back and be a teacher you know and that doesn't give me much comfort because i know how hard it is but you mm. haven't even got that and i'm not trying to make you feel bad matthew but you you haven't even gone and done that that's not a big stick is it you know you, you meet people and they're like and I'm, i know some of your franchisees are in this state they they really are desperate to quit their job i was talking to a partner mm-hmm. just this week actually who's like i'm counting the days before i leave i've got the date my employer knows the day i know the date. i'm counting the days still a good few months away mm-hmm. but there are people who are desperate to not be an employee you were quite happy to be an employee that had been like a career path plan for you for some time so what i'm saying is the big stick isn't there Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing the carrot of entrepreneurship, property investing must have been massive. How did that come about where you've gone 180 degrees from a safe, secure profession, final salary pension, let's not forget, mm-hmm. to none of that? A hundred percent, I'm going to back myself in property.
1: With growing up in the in the family that, that I have done, I've maybe had a bit of a different outlook or a, there's been an ulterior sort of story. That's been played out in my own sort of learning as i've grown up in my household so the question i always hated answering to my friends was what does your dad do as a job yeah i could say well he does this business he does this business so there's a there was a time I, I had to say my dad has a dog food business but he's also got a, a dietary clinic as well and that got a few sort of raised eyebrows <laughs> and so i've always had that bit of a different upbringing and sort of that understanding that you know Employment isn't the sort of end of all things. Of course, I believed at the time um, in, in high school and sort of, as I was thinking towards UCAS and um, all that sort of stuff, people tell me I'm actually quite good at teaching because I would have a typically empathetic disposition. So would go alongside people and try and help them along the way. So I thought, right. Okay. That seems to be the only thing that people are saying to me, I'll listen to them and I'll go for it and seem to enjoy it initially. Um, but as as I got further into sort of my teaching and my uh, practical teaching, for me anyway, it just felt like right when do I actually get to like teach properly, or when do I actually you know get to get teaching in a way <laughs> that I'm not, I don't want to like fall asleep halfway through my teaching uh, because of staying up the night before, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, with with doing uh, prep work, which is of course it's necessary in 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 the day and the age, but just maybe not what my perception of teaching was from sort of having those thoughts halfway through um, and sort of chatting it over with family and friends and stuff like that in my sort of final year maybe final two years of university i was saying i don't think i'll be teaching at the end of this but i'll I'll continue to do the degree so then that led me to graduating in 2020 there which was a very strange year to graduate because there's absolutely no graduation ceremony i'm actually going to my graduation in the next two weeks or so oh that's
0: hilarious
1: (laughs) (laughs) that was that was a bit strange and sort of in that time of course nobody was offering jobs i you know in my my own head i was thinking right i need money obviously to survive and Mm. i was getting married um in a year's time by that stage um so i said right i need to just get a job build up some money so we can afford to put beans on the table um, with talking that through, obviously with, with my parents, my dad had actually offered me to come and help him out with some stuff and didn't really know what that looked like. So I did a bit of research and read into EPP and sort of tried to understand everything. And uh, once I started to understand it I, th- I thought, right, this actually does align with like, although it's something that's out of the blue, it does align align with my values, with what I would hope i'd be able to do with people and that how i would want to do business with people you know and so then i went forward helped him out with it and that was two years ago at this stage done a lot of learning in that time when, when i when i recount that i just sort of like think back to when that all happened and it's just so strange that like i'm here now and it's like think back at all the things i've done and all the things i've learned in that time. And it's, it's, it's really, really great uh, to see that. And I'm really just thankful to everyone who's helped me through that because I wouldn't be able to do it on my own. So yeah, I guess that's a bit of a pressé, although not really a press a, you'll understand that if you ever talk to me in real life, nothing's ever a press
0: a um, of, of sort of that journey. I didn't know half of that. It's really interesting. And I imagine there are thousands and thousands of people in similar situations where their plans have, have completely been thrown off by the pandemic. And, and the irony that jumped out of me while you were while you were speaking there is you now find yourself teaching you teach an EPP partners and <laughs> this was, is true I was talking to your dad last week um I said I bet Matthew presents more than you know does more support with partners he said oh much more than me <laughs> so- <laughs> well, and from being one teacher to another one um just yeah. a bigger baby so that's all it is I would that's say it, yeah <laughs> well I was trying to work out your oldest franchisee and I think I'm right in saying they're over 30 years older than you I think I'm right in saying that be yeah there. yeah that would probably be right yeah and that's hard um I can remember trying to sell houses to people you know sell houses to investors full market value investors when I was 26 and I had less than a, like they used to say can I see your company accounts and I'd have to say I haven't traded for long enough I've got company accounts yet. <laughs> and they're like how long have you been going three months six months nine months oh my goodness mm-hmm. how old are you 26 oh and I'm taking an investment advice from you you know <laughs> I know so, I know and some of them couldn't get over it and didn't invest purely because like you know it was a bit of a a bitter pill to swallow for them that mm-hmm. I was investing more successfully than they were you know despite a, a very different number of years experience but of some of them who've now become great friends I've you know could get over that started investing with us and have continued and and have got amazing portfolios in fact one of my investors said at some point Frank I want to see these houses not seen loads of them and I said yeah absolutely he said what I'd love to do, and we haven't done it yet, we should do it, is I want you to draw me a treasure map with all my houses on it and we'll go on like a mystery tour to all of my houses. I was like, oh, that's brilliant. We've got to do that sometime. But, yeah, that that helping and teaching people and, and supporting them um, when they're older than you and, and have more life experience, I think is a is a skill in and of itself for sure. Yeah, so, but I think it, it just it all comes down to at the end of the day, you know yourself, it's all just teaching
1: at the end of it. Mm. So there's there's the fundamentals to it, of course, and it's always trying to push people out of what they already are, have got to, you know, trying to get them to that next level. It's it's putting it there and then putting, it, putting on their radar and then trying to push them towards it and get it, get them to do a bit of a practical and apply it to their own situation. You know, those are the those are the basics, um, which, again, you know, I wouldn't have gotten if it wasn't for the, the teaching degree, which, uh, you know, I'm glad that I actually finished it at this point point, can sort mm. of say that I've got that, that background as I teach today. Um, you know, just things come back
0: to me and I'm like, oh, I could use that. It worked in P3s, so it'll work here too. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think anyone cares that I've got a, a teaching uh, <laughs> qualification, but I still use it all the time. And that's the, that's the valuable part of it for sure. Yeah. I want to um, highlight the fact that you only started two years ago. So at that point, you would have been, what, 21 yeah, 21. Yes, you're doing it with your dad, but let's not forget your dad's got quite a few businesses and you're doing the EPP MFA role with your dad. Mm-hmm. So you're supporting a load of franchisees as well as your investment business. And despite all of those distractions, you getting married, you know, having a new married life with your, with your wife, bought your own house, live in your own, rent your own house. Well, how you yes. Uh- It's a bit complicated. (laughs) Moved into home with your wife, let's say that. So you started a, a new home. All of that is massive change. Despite all of that, you've done five deals in the last 12 months, not in those two years, in the last 12 months with 180 grand profit for yourselves, which is amazing, right? And let's just forget for a moment, you're brand new to property. You're a teacher three years ago or a trainee teacher. Let's forget that you're 21 at that point. Let's forget you've got all that change going on. Let's forget that you're in Northern Ireland. Where I do think it's a bit harder than in England because you have so many fewer options in terms of uh, mortgages, etc. Mm-hmm. Far less capital growth, and loads of people that are really scared of 60% drops in values. You know, you don't really get that in the UK. So I do think it's a bit tougher in Northern Ireland. Despite all of that, you've absolutely set the world alight, And, you know, I'm sure most people listening to this, they to have more money than you had when you started. They're going to be older than when you started. You know, how mortgageable are you when you have never had a job? You're 21 <laughs> and all you've got is liabilities and probably including a student loan. Most people are going to be further ahead than you were two years ago. My question there, Matthew, is what has been the secret of your success, really? What's made that possible? Because no one has done it at that age and no one has had that result from your amount of money you know with with the scant resources that you had and the the amount of time you had to put into it you have really applied yourself so how have you done it i guess would be my question
1: it's difficult to put pinpoint one thing of course there's a myriad of things i could speak on and um, sort of to point me in um, to this to where i am today i think that you know the core things are that it's taking away things from the training day and applying them to to my every day. So it doesn't even need to be sort of like part of the property business, but it's just more, this is just an example to illustrate what it would look like. There's a book that we read way back. It was The Millionaire Next Door. don't know whether you've done a podcast on it, but I'd recommend that you do do a podcast on it because I and think I'm, it's an absolutely fascinating yeah. book. It's all about our perception of a millionaire and um, is typically, you know, somebody who's in a business suit who goes out and does deals, sell, 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 et cetera, et cetera. You know, it drives a flashy car, whatever that might look like. However, this, it was more a piece of a research, really, I think it was, you know, kind of large-scale research done on Americans and sort of Americans who are millionaires. Um, And what they basically found out was that most of the people who had a million dollars at that time to their name, um, whether that be through investments or through cash built up in the bank or whatever, were actually just very, very frugal. With their money and didn't drive the fancy cars but actually still cut out the coupons and to get extra money off in the supermarkets and sort of that opened my mind that was my perception was that you know you basically got big in business or in whatever profession you go into if you're a solicitor or if you're a doctor you're on whatever stupid money it is a year but uh, of course they earn it in their own in their own right Um, and then they just spend it all But really, in actual fact, what they illustrated in that piece of research was it's actually those people that are more likely to go bankrupt or more likely to default on loans, et cetera, et cetera. Because they use up all their surplus cash in things that really aren't going to move them forward or move their net worth forward. Um, Instead, they're going to spend what they get, spend what they get, spend what they get. So that if they were to, for instance, you know, have to leave work because of an illness, then how long would they have left on the, on the money that they have already? And with the lifestyle that they were currently going through at that stage, whereas most people that they interviewed, they said, right, if I had to stop work today, I could survive for the next 20 years off of what I've saved up in my bank, um, what I've gotten in investments, et cetera, et cetera, that are feeding me in and, and the lifestyle that I currently I'm on without taking a debt book center and so what I did from that was I thought, right, okay, I need to start doing that with myself. You know, I need to look at my own finances in a bit more of a strict detail. Because obviously, coming from a student, you just sort of think, right, there's the student loan in, I can spend <laughs> it spend all it. now. Yeah,
0: let's get going. <laughs> you
1: know, I spent on silly things like buying an Xbox or buying whatever things you think that you need in university to survive. But my mindset had to change in how I approached money and how I approached budgeting, especially whenever I was coming into a new marriage and wanted to make sure that my wife and I were both on the same page. So that led me to trying to find apps. So I was on a search for like an app that would be able to show me what I spent on you know, this on my groceries for the last month on this for the last month, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And trying to really distill that down to it, right. Okay. What do we need? And what's that then a percentage of what we bring in as a household. And so, you know, just from that, I think even just being able to measure that has just helped me because I'm more conscious about like before that I would just like maybe add out for lunch, maybe two or three times a week, just because I could. But, you know, since then, very strict on only one time a week my wife's also strict on only one time a week that we would we would eat lunch out and about but basically the crux of that story is taking what i learned in a training day and applying it so that's that's sort of one of the first things that you need to do is actually apply what you've learned it's easier said than done of course but that's sort of one of them at this point as well as i'm sure many others do but it's sort of just following the system and being consistent with it and um, so with EVP it's a great system that you you know especially for me coming in as a blank slate not having anything property related or business related it meant that i could come in and have a foundation behind me of okay so once the vendor says this or once you know we get to this point this is what we need to do we need to have this thing going out to this vendor etc cetera, etc cetera. i'm just giving you words and language to use that's going that's you know inevitably going to lead to success I would say that those are sort of the two things that I have attempted to do. Um, As I say before, you know, not always going to do it perfectly, but I think that as I look back, that those are sort sort of a couple of the things that
0: helped me to get to the stage that I'm at today. There's so much gold in what you've just said, Matthew, and at a superficial level, it's really easy to think, so what, you found an app to help you budget, and that's your secret to success. But it's not that at all. That's an illustration of one piece of knowledge that you've picked up you picked up a book recommendation and of course we have book of the month every month in, in EPP and you know you've decided to go and read that book you then actually assimilated and one of my favorite um, stories from that book for those of you trying to find it it's the millionaire next door and it's Thomas Stanley that's the uh, the author of that book amazing Perfect. book and it transformed my attitude to wealth I've read it twice actually now I read it very early on Uh, it was recommended to me in my journey and then I read it about five years later and the second time I think I got more out of it than the first time amazingly Mm -hmm. because I think you learn at a rate that you're ready to learn at the one of the stories that jumped out at me from that Matthew is along with the coupon collecting stuff is these millionaires that you wouldn't know live next door to you that's that's where the title of the book comes from they invited them in it was a It was a massive research study over years, decades, actually. And they invited them in. Some of them, they like offered them a hundred dollars to come and spend two hours with them. And some of them said, look, we'll give you a free lunch and stuff. And some got both. So these these millionaires came in. They all had to have a net worth of over a million pounds, excluding their own home. I think that was the the definition of it. And some of them are, you know, deca-millionaires by that definition. And... The employees, and this is the key word there, the employees of the researchers chose the lunch they thought well these are millionaires so they went for smoked salmon hors d'oeuvres and caviar and I think they said lobster and stuff they got some really like expensive stuff they had champagne for them they also had you know some regular buffet stuff like hot dogs and cans of coke (laughs) at the end of like the afternoon they realized that the employees had drunk and eating all the expensive stuff and the millionaires had had the hot dogs and the cans of coke and they they just said that sums it up that their, their habits even when it was free their habits were to be frugal and to mm-hmm. to live within their means which is and the employees their habit was to live beyond their means. And that's what you're talking yeah. about, you know, that the high earning people. And of course there are exceptions, but in this research, they realized the employees had just eaten, you know, a week's worth of their salary. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, fascinating book. Uh, it's so interesting as an external objective observer of you, Matthew, your attitude to learning has been phenomenal. And, and you might think, and that's a strong word to use, that that would be dazzling, or remarkable in the moment but it's not you're so unassuming about it and some of our most successful franchisees have done this as well you don't have to dazzle you don't have to be a superstar or it's not even that hard all you have to do is in a consistent and focused manner learn and then apply what you've learned and that's it. And that's what you've just said. You applied it. And what I see you do every time we have a, a feedback session, of course, in your MFA role, we do quite a few of these. Every time you're writing notes, you're listening really carefully. The next time we do something, I can see that you've implemented what we talked about last time. I think it was Einstein that said the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest, but we talk on EPP about Kaizen or Tony Robbins, Kanai constant and never ending improvement. Those are compounding habits, compounding performance. So, if you improve your performance by 5% a month, let's say, and that's not hard to do at all, it's hard to compound your money by 5% a month, but not hard to compound your performance. In month one, let's say your performance is arbitrarily 100 performance units or 100 productivity units. At the end of month one, you're at 105. You're not at 110 in month two in month two you've got five percent on the five percent and then in month three you've got five percent on the 111 or whatever it is and it compounds so quick and that's what i can see with you because you're not only learning a great deal but you're implementing a great deal now when you implement a great deal you get loads of feedback you get loads of feedback from what you're doing not all of which will be positive And you know know me, when I give feedback, I give the rough with the smooth, but that's because that's how we grow. And some of what you do will work brilliantly. Some of it will work well. Some of it will be okay. Some of it won't work and some of it will be catastrophic. But because you're taking massive action, it doesn't matter because you obviously stop doing the stuff that's neutral and negative and you do more of the positive stuff, but then you try new stuff and you find more new positive stuff. And I think... That confidence that you have, and it's funny, you said the EPP system and nearly everyone who comes on the uh, podcast, you know, all successful partners will quote that they followed the EPP system. You've had faith in that. You've had confidence in that as well as confidence in yourself. And the two combined means that you've taken action, got results, and then improved on those results. And that's why I'm so excited about your future. And when I say 5% growth per month, Well, let's look at it 180 grand in deals in the last 12 months what's possible next year i could see i could see you doing 10 deals easily and if we go into a recession which you know it looks like we are already in one it just isn't technically one yet then a slump in housing would be really expected really likely and all of a sudden you've got a buying environment the likes of which we've not seen since 2009 and how many deals could you do in that environment well in 2009 i was in a very similar situation to you actually i started business in 2007 so i would have been 28 so okay five years older than you but i was only in business for two years prior to that and my business partner and I flipped 26 properties, just the two of us flipped 26 properties. And I didn't have TDIC. If I would had TDIC, oh my goodness, I probably could have done twice as many, 20 more. But I didn't know how to do TDIC, I hadn't created it. I created it in 2010 when I needed to. But at that stage we were buying properties and selling them. We owned them for an average of six weeks, which is quite amazing when you think it takes longer than six weeks to sell it. We were t- starting to sell properties before we even owned them, That's uh, that takes some doing. but. Um, Oh, the nostalgia, I tell you. In terms of um, what's ahead of you, Matthew, if you keep applying yourself and keep, and I'm, I'm pleased. I hope you don't think I'm being patronising. The the potential that you have to help a lot of people build your financial stability is uh, is massive, mate. Massive. Thank you for that. I
1: appreciate it, and it's not patronising. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> Got to learn. Don't be afraid to ask, and don't be afraid to get the answers back looking to people who have done it ahead of you asking them questions then maybe coming back to you and giving you an answer that you maybe don't like and then having to apply that you know I've had to go through many teachings and it, it may it seems when I look back on it now it seems like it was very juvenile or just very you know did I really need to go through that phase but even just calling people like that was just something that I really just didn't like at the start and have had to sort of Apply myself and continually do it because, of course, there's leads coming in, so somebody needs to call them. Um, and <laughs> when I do get on the call, I am good. But for me, it was always trying to get on the call in the first place mm-hmm. because I would always overthink it. What would they think about me? Or what if I say something wrong? Because I'm one of those people who will go away thinking about situations about, oh, did I mean to say that to, to them? Or did I, how did they take that away? And so that was a real learning curve for me. But just going back to people and saying, what would I do? You know, maybe going back to my dad or talking in the group and just sort of talking about doing TFFs and calling them back and sort of talking about the importance of that just helped me to overcome that and to just get better at it and see that the necessity of it, you know, it's not something that can just sort of be handed off to somebody else or just be done at, at a stage that suits me best, but rather they're important to get back to because they every lead is a person, inevitably. You know, they, they've obviously got a question that they think I might be able to answer, so mm. I need to get back in touch with them.
0: Absolutely. I think the key thing there is you do need to ask for help and you need to have people guiding you for sure. But they have to be people who have walked the path that you're wanting to walk Mm -hmm. recently. And those two are absolutely critical, not wannabes, not people who know a bit more than you, people who've actually achieved the results that you want. If you want to invest in some property, you don't want to speak to someone who's done one deal a year for five years because unless you want to do one deal a year, they're not the right person. If you want to do 10 deals a year, you need to go find someone who's done 10 deals a year. And when I say recently, it's no good getting a mentor who did it 10 years ago. It has to mm-hmm. be someone who's doing it now because they're out of touch and they'll be telling you how they did it. And of course their memory will be through rose tinted glasses, et cetera, et cetera, I've had so many mentors, I thought, you're telling me what you wish happened or what you wish mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to, and this is what I love about EPP, like I, I, can't possibly replicate what you're going through because I'm twelve years ahead of where you're at, or I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fourteen years in, and you're two years in, and so I can't possibly be as in touch with your situation. You know, I'd, when I when I started off no one used Facebook marketing for vendors. And now like quite a mm-hmm. lot of people are using Facebook marketing for vendors. YouTube, I don't even think YouTube advertising existed. I think they're still growing the platform, you know, etc. Mm-hmm. So in terms of getting advice from someone who's walked the path, it's way better to be getting advice from someone who's walking it six or 12 months ahead of you and is still going because their advice, you're going to learn from all their mistakes and it's not going to be tainted by ego. Um, Hopefully, it's not going to be tainted by memory loss. (laughs) It's going to be just cutting edge, relevant to, to you. So, yeah, I think those are wise words of wisdom for sure, Matthew. Exactly, and you know
1: that's exactly what you do and what we do as well. When we're trying to teach, is that like you bring examples, live examples, and say, "Right, this is this is the situation. What would you do?" It allows them to give their input, and then once we sort of tell them how we did it and how we've been able to successfully do it their understanding is is maybe flipped or maybe that it's just reassured them that, mm. you know, that's the way I, I was going to do it that way as well. So I'm glad that I'm on the right path. It's so key to have live examples like that.
0: Mm, I think it absolutely is is key. You're absolutely right. And I, I can think of an example from our last uh, monthly training day, actually. Someone said, I'm, I'm struggling with, I think it was financing a deal. And they said, I don't think I can finance this deal. And I feel really bad because my leaflet says that, I can buy any property. I guarantee to buy any property. And I said, who in this room has financed a deal in the last 90 days using someone else's money? And like, I think three or four hands went up. And I said, so does that give you confidence? And the person said, absolutely. I said, just write down their names and go ask them how they did it. That person had been investing for about five months. They bought two deals in five months and were now about to sign a third and didn't know how they were going to fund it. So they didn't want to sign it until... They knew how they were going to fund it, very wise. It's no point me saying when I was three months old in my business, I did this. They're going to turn around and go, yeah, that was a decade or more ago, Frank, you know. Um, but saying, well, these three people, that person's only been on the partnership a year. That one's been on the partnership six months and that part, that one's been on the partnership 18 months. I'm making those figures up, obviously. But there's an array of different maturity levels on the partnership and all of them are using other people's money. Now do you have confidence? And, and um, that particular partner... I said, absolutely, now I get it. Now I'm now I'm confident I can go and do the sign-up. So I think it's, uh, it's crucial. Matthew, it's been mm-hmm. brilliant chatting, mate. So good to have you on. I'm so excited about your journey. Thanks for having me again, Frank. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And um, for those of you listening, if you want to get in touch with us about anything we've discussed today in terms of uh, Matthew's journey, or investing in Northern Ireland, then do get in touch. What the guys are achieving over in Northern Ireland is absolutely amazing. They are bucking the trend. They're transforming their lives and uh, and those of many others around them. So if you do want to get in touch, please reach out to us at ethicalpropertypartners.com. Until next time, happy investing. Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment.